to In the Booth, a politics podcast from the Frederick News Post. My name is Jack Hogan, and I cover county and state politics for the News Post. In the coming days, we'll be publishing interviews with candidates for Frederick County Executive and Frederick County Council to help voters get to know more about some of the local names that will be on their ballots in November. Today's guest is Frederick County Councilman Phil Dacey, who since 2018 has served as one of two council members who represent the county at large. Councilman Dacey also works for the Maryland Department of Transportation's Motor Vehicle Administration as the Director of Policy and Innovation. He's one of two Republican nominees in the race for the council's two at-large seats. The other Republican nominee is Tony Schmelick, a general contractor and former council member. Brad Young, president of the Frederick County Board of Education, and Renee Knapp, an advocate and caregiver for her son with autism, are the Democratic nominees for the council's two at-large seats. Councilman Dacey, welcome to the newsroom and to In the Booth. Thank you for having me. Uh, to start off, why did you decide to run for county council again? Well, it's been a good experience um, the, overall, the county council. It's been, uh, we all get along, seven of us. I think uh, so much contention going on in the national politics, and you see it filtering down into state and sometimes local politics. I think you need good people in the county council that can. Um, disagree without making it acrimonious or personal. Uh, I have some issues that I care about. I haven't been terribly successful over the last four years of getting those um, through the county council, but I'm more hopeful over the next four years that um, with a new county council, a new county executive, um, I'll be able to push my priorities of, um, for example, uh, freezing property tax rates. That has been a big issue for me over the last four years. Um, the property assessments have gone up uh, pretty high over the last four years, um, especially you know starting with the pandemic. Property assessment values in some cases have gone up 50% to 100%. And um, if we don't do something to adjust the tax rate on those uh, assessments, then people end up paying more and more every year out of their budgets just to remain in the same home that they've been in. Um, so they're not really using more services. They're not really um, getting any additional benefits, but they're paying more in taxes. So a big issue for me is we have to adjust the property tax rate uh, downward uh, in order to compensate for the increased assessed value of homes. And we can do that, I think, reasonably and still provide um, adequate increases to other areas of uh, services that are required in in the county. So we can uh, do it all. We had a $70 million surplus last year, and uh, if we had frozen the property tax rates in the way that I've uh, proposed, it would have been a $57 million surplus. So we still would have had enough money to um, add to priorities that are important to the county, but we would have been able to pr provide some tax relief for um, county families and county residents. In fact, I live in the city, so, uh, you know, I end up paying city taxes, property, just on property taxes. I end up paying city property taxes, county property taxes, and state property taxes, and those are all going up um, as my assessed value goes up. Inflation has been a huge issue. Um, people are not getting as much for their money these days. You know, groceries have gone up pretty high, and so people are feeling the bite of uh, this current economy, and I think I think it's important for the county council to acknowledge that. I mean, another priority of mine that hasn't, uh, that actually this year we got a huge uh, boost was the Route 15 expansion. Uh, that's something that's needed to be done for probably 20 years. And for the first time it was put in, the construction funding was put into the 
Maryland Department of Transportation Consolidated Transportation Plan. So we have uh, potential money there in the future for uh, expanding Route 15. We need to have a council that agrees with that. You know, I think that's an important priority because if we don't have a county, the right county council um, on that priority, for example, the uh, the county will, I mean, sorry, the state will take that money back and they'll, they'll spend it elsewhere, that $160 million construction funding for expanding Route 15. We also need a county council, in my opinion, that advocates for the expansion of 270. I think those are super important issues for quality of life here in Frederick County, and uh, I'm hopeful that over the next four years we'll be able to deliver those. And bringing it back to property taxes for a moment, is, so you would you look to, um, and, what, and how would you look to return money to taxpayers uh, it, I think is it is it drawing from the surplus money to to be able to offset revenue that'd be lost from lowering the property tax, or what would this look like you know, from a policy standpoint? Sure, yeah. So uh, every year we have to vote on what's called the constant rate, and the, we have to vote on the property tax rate every year, and it has remained constant for the last eight years. The um, they call it the the constant rate, and so um, at that assessed value, we have the option of also reducing the property tax rate. Um, and uh, generating the same amount of revenue from those dollars, and that's called the constant yield. And so uh, I've been advocating for the last four years, actually, I've uh, voted to adopt the constant yield, which would uh, reduce the property tax rate so that it would generate the same amount of revenue as the prior budget year. And so what that would mean is people would not have an increase in their, uh, generally people would not have an increase in their property tax rate over the last four years, and that compounds to, um, so every year it goes up and up and up, bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, uh, yeah, it would just be less revenue to deal with because fortunately Frederick is doing well. It's uh, it's growing and its economy is thriving. And so uh, we, we generate lots of revenue in other ways other than property taxes. And so, uh, you know, all those sources of revenue have combined for big surpluses over the last two years. That's not counting the federal government coming in and uh, providing us additional <laughs> revenue, frankly. You know, the CARES funding last year was $50 million that the federal government gave us on top of the $70 million sur budget surplus. And so, um, you know, the, the county, uh, frankly, I've been in government for a while, and it, I've never seen revenues like we have across the state and the county over the last several years. It's uh, We've had some really high revenues, and I think we really do need to prioritize giving some of that money back to the taxpayers people that provide that revenue to the different levels of government. Is there anything you'd look to trim from the budget to be able to offset the, the revenue that would, that the county wouldn't be bringing in with a lower, lower property tax rate? Yeah, so over the past four years, I've submitted probably uh, three dozen um, reductions in the increase. I don't call them cuts because, you know, I, I was around with government in 2008 and 2009 when people actually had to cut, and a cut would be, like in 2009, I remember um, the agency I was working for, I think I had a roughly $100 million budget and uh, the revenues went down at the recession of 2008 and 2009. And so the next year our budget was $95 million. And so that, those, that necessitated like $5 million in actual cuts. So we had to actually find programs that were programmed uh, to be spent or money that was programmed to be spent that year and, and say we're going to defer it or, you know, uh, operational positions. Those were actual cuts where you're actually looking at, hey, we, we're not going to buy cars this year and we were planning on buying cars or we're not going to do this project this year because we don't have the funding or even, you know, we're not going to fill these positions that have been vacant because we don't have um, the funding. So 
what I've proposed over the last uh, four years have been um, uh, reductions in proposed increases. So instead of hiring uh, three new planners, I think I, I suggested let's hire two new planners next year. So it's not an actual cut. It's a reduction in the proposed increases because, frankly, we have enough revenue that, um, you know, when the budget goes up 10%, the budget last year went up 10.2%. When it goes up that high, you know, you can you can trim the reductions and still provide relief to taxpayers. And, and instead, you know, the budget going up 10.2%. And, you know, we hired 163 new people last year. I had proposed reducing that to, I think, uh, 152. So, um you know, r r roughly 10 positions uh, reduction in the increase. And so, um, you know, we have enough, I think, to make reasonable adjustments to the county and still provide relief to taxpayers. What other legislative priorities would you go into another council term with? Well, I mean, a big issue, we passed uh, the Livable Frederick Comprehensive Plan. So, I mean, an, an issue that I talk about with um, a lot of voters, you know, a lot of doors, I think it's probably the number one issue, and it has been in Frederick County, is is how to grow in Frederick County. And uh, it, I say that because, uh, I mean, it has been an issue for multiple terms now, but we're in a desirable position. You know, Frederick County is a great place to live. People are finding out about it. You know, it's a uh, cost of living is lower than certain areas in the Washington suburbs, certainly Loudoun and Alexandria and Montgomery County. And so uh, we're in a good position. I think people want to live in Frederick County, and that's a good problem to have, is that as opposed to certain counties, you know, in, in the Midwest and even in, you know, you look farther west in western Maryland, there, there's some counties that are losing population. Those counties are not doing well. Um, so those are not places generally people want to live, but Frederick is a place that people want to live because it is a thriving community. That's a great thing. Uh, we've built such a nice community here in Frederick County, and it's up to us to kind of uh, maintain that legacy. But the, uh, so I think the question becomes then, how do we grow, and what is the appropriate um, place to grow, and and where, and how? And so you're seeing some of that in Sugarloaf. Um, a lot of people that are afraid that uh, if, unless uh, the Sugarloaf plan passes with certain preservations that um, there'll be pressure for development there. Now, I have to say there has been no proposal and nobody has really come forward and said they, they want to develop any piece of, of sugar loaf. They're talking about potentially in the future along 270 is a lot of the debate, you know, right along 270. And nobody's talking about residential. There's um, potentially commercial opportunities um, if there's a new interchange put in. But um, I think how we grow in Frederick is going to be key over the next four years. And uh, we have to find some some uh, growth areas in Frederick County. And the Livable Frederick Plan identified those um, growth corridors, uh, mainly in the municipalities um, where the growth should be occurring, where the services are. But uh, we have to find ways to preserve what we have in Frederick County. You know, that that's finding new and creative solutions for um, for farm preservation, agricultural preservation. It's an important thing that the county does. We do have a good program. I think it's something that can be accelerated. We can also find ways to partner with farmers and uh, farm communities in order to um, preserve that, preserve their land, and make sure that that those development pressures um, uh, don't catch up with them in uh, 
and have an effect on the rest of the citizens in Frederick County. So how to grow is an important question over the next four years. It's something that the next council and the, and the next county executive are really going to have to tackle because we have these broad strokes in the livable Frederick plan, broad outlines of where to grow, but what those look like and, and how that happens um, is going to be really key over the next four years. And you, you mentioned the Sugarloaf plan. It's another uh, point I want to bring up and, and get you to speak on. Just for, for a little bit of background, since July, the council has been holding meetings about the Sugarloaf Treasured Landscape Management Plan. It's planned to preserve Sugarloaf Mountain and the area surrounding it. And it's the first area plan that is part of the larger Livable Frederick Master Plan that you mentioned, which the county passed in 2019 to guide development and preservation. Um, so I know the council is scheduled to vote next Tuesday on the plan. Um, do you plan to vote to approve it or, uh, or not, and, and why? Yeah, sure. So uh, some of these conversations are still going on. Um, I have some concerns, as I've had the whole time, with um, as I've expressed throughout the, I guess, conversations that we've had with residents and hearings. I have some reservations with the way the plan was done. I really think that, you know, my view, in my view, we should, um, the county staff and the county planning staff and the planning commission should have been able to bring people together in a way that... Um, made it less contentious than it is right now. I think it's unfortunate, the posture that it's come down to, it's uh, with opposing sides and wearing shirts and um, cheering on one side and booing the other. It's really shouldn't be, in my view, as acrimonious as it is. Uh, I've done a lot of land use uh, on the Board of Aldermen. I was on the Board of Zoning Appeals before that and even on the County Council. And there are situations where there is a zero-sum game where it's a one-loss situation where, you know, hey, I don't want this uh, town center in Mormon's Mill to be built, and other people do. So, you know, there's no real way to make a compromise there because, you know, it's either going to be built or it's not. One side's going to win and one side's going to lose. But I don't view Sugarloaf, the Sugarloaf plan, as a zero-sum game. I really think it's um, we're losing the forest through the trees in some respects. Because the Sugarloaf plan, what you hear, what I'm hearing when I listen to all sides, and I do try and listen to all sides and the points that are made, and I understand the passion. I recognize the passion of people that have their own property and and they want to do, you know, enjoy it in the way that uh, allows them um, the best use of their property. And so it does get emotional. I understand that, but uh, losing the forest through the trees is, I think, what I'm hearing is that everybody wants to see this area preserved and the vast majority of it, no matter what we pass or don't pass, it, I mean, it's all right now agriculturally zoned. So, you know, the bottom line is right now it is all preserved. It's been preserved for 50 plus years and there's never really, really been no kind of development pressure to change that. And what I hear from everybody speaking is that this is a beautiful area of Frederick. It's rural in character and it's agricultural in nature, and we want to see it stay that way. So all sides are saying that. And so what I think we've missed is an opportunity to get all sides on the same page behind that. Now, there are a few areas of contention there with uh, Sugarloaf Mountain, which I certainly understand and have been sympathetic with the uh, Stronghold Corporation that has been good stewards of that mountain and allowed people at no um, cost of the taxpayers to use their private mountain for uh, public enjoyment. It's been a great deal for Frederick County and generations of uh, families have enjoyed Sugarloaf Mountain and I hope we can make 
you know, I hope we can make that continue because they have been good stewards of the land and they haven't um, suggested development. And, uh, and so, you know, imposing this artificial kind of overlay or um, including them in the planning boundaries, those are, those are things that make them feel threatened in their um, land use. And, uh, and they've talked, you know, pretty openly about potentially shutting off public access to the mountain. And I think, as I said uh, many times, I think that'd be the worst outcome of this whole planning process because there is no real, I don't see the, the uh, urgency in applying an overlay to a group that has been good stewards of this land and this mountain for 50 years, um, you know, threatening them with, uh, with putting this on against their will and then causing them to take action, which would adversely affect the public. I think if we did nothing, it would be much better um, allowing the status quo to continue. Uh, so the whole area right now is agriculturally zoned. There's, if anybody were to want to do something with any of those properties, it would require a rezoning hearing and the planning commission. And then at that point, there would be, you know, potentially a zero sum. Somebody wants to build something and somebody doesn't. But right now, nobody wants to build anything. So Sugarloaf is one area of the of the uh, sh- uh, Sugarloaf Mountain is one area of contention. And I think um, the area along 270, you know, has been a big area of of whether or not the property is immediately adjacent to 270 and there's a potential for a new interchange there at 270, whether or not those should be um, treated in the same way that the the other, you know, roughly 19,000 acres is. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there are reasonable conversations can be had in the future if there is eventually an interchange um, about what the nature of the land around that interchange should have. I, I don't view that as unreasonable. But I also see the other side of saying, well, we don't want an interchange and we don't want um, anything at all built on the side of 270. But, uh, you know, I think I'm so we'll see how how the vote goes. I mean, we'll have to see what's proposed, if if there are any changes proposed. Um, But my view was, I think, uh, because there was largely agreement on the whole idea of, hey, we don't we want to preserve this. I think we start with that idea uh, at the planning level and, and incorporate all the parties. And, and then, you know, start the conversation from how do we best preserve the vast majority of this land? What's the best way of doing that um, without affecting property rights? And, of course, the way it was originally proposed, you know, some people would have, a lot of people would have lost um, property rights. We did vote the RC down zoning down, so that amendment passed. The originally proposed um, uh, over 100 properties to be down zoned with resource conservation, which would have taken away current agricultural rights that some folks had. And so uh, we were able to knock that amendment down. But uh, but uh, I think I think a restart would be good. You know, I would I would su- certainly say um, restarting the conversation with the planning staff and then the planning commission to um, to try and get people on the same page with the starting point of how do we best preserve this, these important resources to Frederick County, make sure the access to the mountain is preserved and uh, make sure the rest of the land uh, doesn't change uh, the character of the community. And the county has already begun meeting with community members about the next regional plan in the Lovable Frederick Master Plan. This is the South Frederick Corridors Plan. Uh, just some background for anyone listening. It's It'll examine an area south of Frederick along Maryland 355 Urbana Pike and Maryland 85 Buckystown Pike which is the second most economically significant region of the county to Frederick City. 
Goals for the plan include reinforcing and creating economic strengths and assets, supporting existing business and industries, fostering innovation and opportunity. How can the county improve its public process for this plan compared to the process that it had for the Sugarloaf plan? Well, I think it already has started. Sugarloaf, from what I hear from you know from the hearings of um, you know of how it went with the planning, a lot of that was potentially impacted by COVID. I think a lot of uh, property owners one didn't know about the potential rezonings, um, two didn't uh, weren't able to participate fully in the way that they had wanted to because there weren't in-person meetings. I think they were largely Zoom most of those meetings that that happened. But I do think the county you know, should and could improve the way it um, interacts with property owners. I mean, we've heard a lot of property owners, I mean, even on, at the last meeting, there were people that came up and said, I never even knew, you know, I don't know what's going on. Every single meeting that we've had, and we've had, I think, what, 14 of them or something, hearings in the front of the county council on Sugarloaf, I think virtually every single one of those, there's been somebody that's come up and said, I just learned about this, what's going on, how does this affect me? So that tells me that there's a disconnect somewhere um, in the county, you know, I don't know if that's reg registered mail. I know they do mail letters, or um, they've said they've mailed letters to all the property owners and they put up signs, but um, maybe it's registered mail. I mean, certainly in Sugarloaf, there weren't that many property owners. I think they're talking about, you know, in less than 1,000 properties, uh, property owners in that area. And so, uh, you know, the county needs to be doing a better job. I do think it was impacted by COVID, you know, in all fairness. I think COVID really... Um, uh, limited the community's ab ability to uh, understand what's going on and participate fully. And, uh, you know, there's still to this day, there are people that have participated, in fact, that have lots of questions about what the rezoning means and to them and, and how it's going to affect them and their lives. And those questions are super important and understandable when, when the county's coming in and saying, we're going to change something about your property. And you're just hearing about it. Of course, you're going to be scared and apprehensive and um, react you know, reactive to it. So uh, with, the sh with the South Frederick plan, I hope the county is able to, you know, reach out to those residents more more directly. And, uh, and I think they are engaging in person now. So I think that's all, those are all uh, important lessons learned from the Sugarloaf. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit here, but staying on uh, past business that, that the council's having, something that the next council might might be addressing. Last year, the County Council approved the $20 million purchase of a 26-acre property along Himes Avenue. It includes a 209,000-square-foot facility currently used for COVID vaccine clinics. The county purchased the property with intentions of accelerating large projects like building new county offices, relocating the 911 call center, and potentially adding a library to the west side of the city. What do you think the property should be used for? Yeah, so I was against the purchase of the property. I may have been the only council member to vote against it, but I think uh, I was vocally against it for a lot of reasons. One, I think the county is putting the cart before the horse. They're using money uh, because they had it, you know, the surplus money. And, uh, and they saw what they viewed as an opportunity to grab a big piece of pro big prominent piece of property in uh, Frederick City. I do think, one, that um, that's definitely putting the cart before the horse. And, and the way you should be doing things is what you need to do is a comprehensive needs assessment, space needs assessment. I mean, any business, not just government, but any business that wants to relocate, 
first you have to know how much space do you need. Well, the county didn't do that. The county said, we need space. You take, a, take our word for it. How much space? Well, we don't know. We'll, we'll buy it and we'll figure out what we're going to do with that property. I mean, that's not good decision-making. That's not a responsible decision-making. You don't just, uh, you know, whether you're business or government, you don't just buy a big piece of property and then try and figure out what you're going to do with it, in my view. Uh, what you need to have is a plan. You need to know how much space you need, um, what you want, what, what departments you want to move, and then you go out to the market and you look for a piece of property that fits those needs or you get um, proposals to build a piece of, uh, build a building that, that fits those needs. You don't just buy, I mean, it's, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. In two weeks, we bought a piece of a $20 million building without any kind of study or idea of what we're going to do with it. We just said, trust us, we need the space. And I'm not disputing the fact that the county needs space. It's very, uh, you know, the county is growing and it's reasonable that the county would need to grow, but to, to buy a massive piece of property without kind of any public input, one, and two, without any kind of space needs assessment was, I think, poor decision making. So we own it now. It's a $20 million property. I mean, by the way, I, you know, as an aside, I don't know very many people paying $20 million for a building that's now 60 years old, you know, that needs repair. So it's $20 million plus, we should say, plus a $10 million roof. So we've already um, allocated the funds for $10 million to repair the roof. And uh, $8 million, this, and on top of that, eight, another $8 million to do renovations this year So on the interior. So there's not many places that are buying. I think there were some, pe some, some people that were interested in buying that property that may have just knocked that building down. You don't really see too much, uh, too many 60-year-old outdated office buildings that are sold and kind of repurposed these days. Most of the time, most of the time with those, you know, you get to that age of a building, you knock it down and, and, and build up a new, build up a new one. You see with schools, I mean, even schools that are that old are uh, approaching obsolescence. So, um, you know, aside from that, the county owns it right now. I would like to see, and I know, um, County Executive Huff has, man has mentioned this in his public remarks is getting a committee together. Yeah, so if he were County Executive, I, I, I do like the idea of kind of approaching it to uh, with a, kind of a restart on that as well, seeing what we should be doing with, you know, getting a, a group together, an outside group to, to kind of take a look at what, uh, what do we need there. I mean, we've heard vocally from the city of Frederick that they do not want a library there. So it's not a good spot for a library. The city of Frederick has adamantly opposed the idea that a new West Side library go in there, and I'm inclined to defer to the city of Frederick on that. I mean, having been a Board of Aldermen member, I know, you know, that we shouldn't, you shouldn't just impose things from, from above, say, hey, well, you, this is where you're going to get your library. If uh, We need to work in concert with our partners in the city. And so if the library doesn't go in there, then... Um, you know, there's been talk of a senior center. They've been talking of all sorts of different things there. But um, I think what we need to do is to kind of take a step back and say, you know, has this property gone up in value? You know, potentially take a look at what we can do with that um, with that property with the next administration, since there is really nothing there now, and there's no imminent plans to to kind of uh, uh, put anything or utilize most of that space, regardless. So, I mean, the way uh, you got to think about land and properties is not necessarily, especially when you're talking about a 60-year-old property, it's not necessarily an asset. It's a liability, you know, and it, we've seen that. We're, we're sinking $18 million into the building, a $20 million building that we already bought. So, um, yeah, I think we should 
take a fresh approach and kind of see, definitely get community input, which we didn't get the first time, and uh, and, and see, you know, is this is this a piece of property that could benefit the county? Is that something that um, would would uh, best be utilized by private industry or, and uh, and the county relocating elsewhere? But um, you know, we didn't get to have those discussions because of the you know the time sensitive nature of the way they purchased the property in a in a two week period. And again, that was something that I've never seen before, and I don't think uh, represented responsible decision making. Uh, briefly, is there anything else that you'd look to accomplish in another four year term that we did not talk about? I think I covered it mainly. You know, we need to make sure that. Growth is going to be important. How and where we grow. I mean, it's the externalities that are associated with growth that most people are worried about. Not necessarily the houses, but the the uh, school overcrowding and the road traffic. So, to the extent that we can um, address those issues over the next four years, I think those are the things people care about. Is you know how many portables are in my my kid's school, and you know how long it takes me to get ho- get home from work or across the you know, across the town to the Wegmans. Those are the things that people care about and notice. And so um, we do have to be very cognizant of uh, the way we grow and that we don't grow too fast or uh, too dense and too fast. And we are able to preserve the nature here of uh, what we have in Frederick County. All right. Well, Councilman Dacey, thanks for coming to the newsroom and joining me in the booth. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you.